Welcome back to another episode of Coffee with Chris, episode 56. Wow, we're at 56. Welcome. We're talking today about winning large deals when you and I are small. Now, when we're small doesn't mean we're small and insignificant. It just means that there's always someone bigger. And the truth is, is that <clears throat> if you're listening to this, if you're in the game, you're always hunting for someone bigger. So if you're a $100 million company, you're looking for a be a billion dollar company. If you're a $1 million company, you're looking to be a 10, 20, $30 million company, which ultimately means you've got to sell bigger and better deals. We don't get there selling weaker deals and everyone knows that conceptually. And it's all well and good to sit here and talk about winning larger deals, but I'm going to put a context around it that I think is more critical and more likely to be faced than the, the one that you may be thinking of. And that context is <clears throat> not just winning larger deals because it's a good idea to grow our business or to grow our account or to grow whatever it may be, but because it's necessary for survival. And typically when we're in a state of feeling like we're on the verge of failing or surviving, whether that be personally in our, you know, in our personal life or our personal incomes as it relates to the business or the deal that we're operating in, or whether that be broader sense of this company, this thing that you founded, this company that you're leading, and all the lives that matter um, and that exist uh, in some sort of stability because of your success or potential failures. Those kinds of decisions, those kinds of breaking points or forks in the road, those are when we need to learn how to win large deals and what I like to call be successful selling from your back. If you think about what that might mean, visualize that you're in a fight. And if you've never been in a fight, God bless you, I haven't been in too many physical fights. I've purposely lived a life um, where I've tried to avoid those types of things. Uh, but I have been in them. And I've played sports for most or at least half of my life. And, and again, in the game of football, American football, you quite often end up in a physical uh, confrontation with your opponent that leads you in a position of less leverage, to put it that way. And whether that be they got lower than you or whether that be they just were stronger than you, there's a, there's a point at which multiple times during a game or during that experience, you, you feel what it means to be on your back. You feel what it means to be out of control and getting pummeled, whether that be conceptually, theoretically, or literally. So... All of us probably have been knocked on our back by something. I know people who have survived cancer. God bless them because that's a level of toughness that, that I just have the utmost admiration and, and you know don't know how I would handle personally. I know people who have lost children. I can't even fathom that. Um, I, am I am at the deepest amount of love and respect and admiration for human beings who will themselves forward when they have been knocked down or beyond down. And why I bring all this up is that I'm trying to center you in on a time in your life, in your business. Maybe it's right now. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was six months ago. Maybe it was 10 years ago. I don't know when it was, but try and think of a time that you've survived from because you wouldn't be listening to this if you hadn't. And when you were knocked down, really knocked down, and think about how that feels. Go there for a second and remember the desperation, remember the fear, the worry, the doubt. And ask yourself this simple question, 
If you stayed in that state, if you were operating today from that state, if you allowed yourself emotionally to get caught up in that state again, how effective are you going to be? And I think you know the answer to that. You're going to suck, <laughs> right? Um, and so, so why am I, why am I explaining this? I'm, I'm explaining this because here's the difference in a 15-year career of doing this and hopefully another 50 before it's all said and done in my life. One thing I've realized is that winners can win when they shouldn't. Winners can win when there's nothing left in the tank. And some of the best deals and some of the best businesses have, have happened because the person leading them or the person who was responsible when all was on the line for a deal that helped that company turn things around or helped that company break through or helped that individual, you know, catapult to a whole new level of success. They shouldn't have won. They ha the, the odds were truly stacked against them. The leverage was no longer in their favor. The high ground had been given up in all sense of quote-unquote reality, and yet somehow, somehow, they were able to operate from an alternate reality that made that not so. For a brief enough minute where they were able to swing the deal their way at the terms they wanted, and they were able to get done something that should not have been possible, and something that had all the facts been laid out on the table, meaning had the other side seen the naked truth of their current physical reality, they would have run like hell for fear of being attached to someone who was obviously going downhill. What I want to share with you today is things that I've learned, tips that you can apply right now, things that will actually work in your favor to win large deals every time, all the time, whether you're on your back or coming from a position of strength. I'm focusing on when you're on your back because that's when you need it most. But when you are not on your back, these are still things you should do. They just become easier, right? But sometimes because they're easier, we forget to do them because we, we take for granted our position of strength. We take for granted that at any given moment, somebody, someone, something, some external force could knock us down. And better to be always aware of that and prepared for that and operate tactically and strategically from a place of strength and structure so that you can, when that happens, react immediately with skill and poise and calmness to get back to a position where you have the high ground conceptually, theoretically, and perceivably, even when it may have just been taken from you. So here's, here's some of the things that help. One of the causes, whether you realize it or not, of us being ineffective is the fear that we have that it's all going away. And when, when, we, when I say it's all going away, it's all, that part of it, is something we manufacture, we make up in our mind. We all have an idea of what everything is. So we say, oh, he has everything, she has everything, that business has everything, all oh, their life must be great. And then when we meet people that are really successful and we start to really dig or we get the chance to actually hear about their relationships, what we find is they have just as many problems, if not more, as the other person. You know, they, they deal with families that, you know, have kids that, that don't make it for some reason. They deal with families that, you know, suffer illness. They deal with businesses that have people steal, rob, you know, do things in them that are, you know, not healthy. They all have that. But for some reason, 
they don't respond the same way. And it doesn't mean they don't respond with the initial fear, worry, and doubt, and, and anxiety that a human being would feel. It just means that they're able to reframe that quickly enough and powerfully enough where they just keep moving forward. And somehow they stay effective. We've all seen an athlete on the field crumble under pressure. And then we've also seen an athlete with one minute left in the game or whatever, 30 seconds or two seconds left in the game, make a shot or throw a pass or lead a team down the field that just quite frankly is, is like watching magic happen. And we go, wow, how'd they do that with 90,000 people watching, 40,000 people watching, millions of people watching on TV? How'd they stay so calm? Here's the first principle. The first principle is to remember the game that you're playing. So let's say you're walking into a multi-billion dollar company and they're walking in with nine suits all from Harvard and everyone who's smarter on pedigree than you. And they've got, you know, salaries twice the amount of your people and they've got uh, assistance for everybody. And there's a mahogany table that has got $4,000 chairs in droves sitting around it and state-of-the-art conference technology. And you're walking in with your startup or with your early stage business off of the cheapest flight you could find to get into that town or whatever it may be. And, you know, you're, you're just outmatched. Here's, here's one of my favorite scenes from any movie. For those of you who've seen Hoosiers, it was a Gene Hackman movie from back in the 80s. If you haven't seen it, I suggest watch it one night when you're binging on Netflix. Hoosiers, there's a scene where he takes this little team from Podunk, Indiana. I can't remember where it is. And they're competing in the state championship. And the state championship is at the Indianapolis Superdome or, or whatever it's called. And they go from playing in a high school gymnasium with, you know, enough seating for 100 people to uh, the Indianapolis Superdome where the court is in a sea of 50,000, 60,000 seats. And the first thing Gene Hackman does as the coach is he walks his team out on the field. And he takes out a measuring tape and he goes to one of the players and he says, do me a favor, stand underneath that hoop and measure from the ground to the rim. Tell me what it says. And of course the answer is 10 feet. And then he says, okay, now measure from here to the foul line and tell me what that says. He says 15 feet. And he reminds his players that regardless of the surroundings, the game is still played with a 10 foot rim. The foul line is still 15 feet away. In other words, the court that you're gonna have to deliver on is exactly the same for you as the other team and all this other noise is all that is, is noise. Forget about it. Don't focus on it. You can win in a basketball court in Podunk, Indiana, because the rim is 10 feet and the foul line is 15 feet. You can win here. What we forget about in business, especially when we feel like we're on our back, is that the court's the same. At the end of the day, we're sitting across from people who have families. We're sitting across from people who want to eat that night and sleep under a roof with, with you know, comfort. We're, we're sitting with people who have loved ones who are old and dying and young ones who are struggling and everything in between. We're sitting across from human beings who at the end of the day want to do their job to keep their job. As an entrepreneur, we want to do the job to change the world. As an entrepreneur, as a growing organization, as as Achievers, we want to do more than just our job to survive. But we're also, that's a strength. The strength is we actually are doing it for more than just survival. We're doing it more for just status quo, but we also still need those things. When we've been knocked on our back, remember, the equalizer is most of the people sitting across from us just don't want to get fired. 
They love to be inspired, but they don't have to be inspired to keep their job. So you have to find the emotional hooks. You got to remember that at the end of the day, you're still just working with people. You're not selling a deal. You're winning a relationship. And relationships don't start with just the facts and figures and the appearances of status and, and startup or status and whatever. They start with the emotional states of the human beings sitting across from us. 10 feet is 10 feet. 15 feet is 15 feet. Human beings have six needs. We all have them. And we all have some that are currently unmet. Let that be your advantage. You can come from a position of strength by focusing on the fact that this person needs something. And if you don't know what that is yet, fine. Work to figure it out by working from a position of you don't need anything except to know what they need and want. And be strategic in how you ask and operate from the standpoint of you're there to serve them. And you've been given the opportunity to help them from making the wrong decision. The wrong decision is choosing anybody other than you. And it's, it's one of the ways that from, you know, the depths of, of bankruptcy in 08 to other different things that I've been able to level the playing field, regardless of situations, and use those things to remind myself that I've got just as much as they do. And you can start from a centering that is much more powerful. It doesn't mean you're not still on your back. It just means that you're leveling the playing field and you're changing the 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 articulation of where gravity is. You're moving gravity from above you to in front of you. And as soon as it's in front of you, you're on a leveling playing field. Now, how do you level up? How do you get the high ground when you are selling a large deal, selling into someone who has more leverage and knows it? How do you get the high ground? Another way to get the high ground is to care less than they do about the deal. Now, easier said than done, right? Easier said than done because the truth is you need the deal. And there's no use denying that. But you don't need that deal. You need a deal. And you don't need that deal specifically. You need that deal because right now, that's the only deal in front of you. And right now, winning something today would be far better than having to wait or string out another day. Especially when cash reserves are at zero or negative. Which if you've been doing this long enough, you've been in that position. You've faced payroll that you can't afford. You faced something that you cannot afford and you've worried about it because there is this real timeline of if we don't do this, we might lose people. We might lose that account. We might have to shut our doors. We're going to get evicted out of our office. Whatever the heck it is that you've dealt with, there are things that become real and they become very time sensitive and we get to the state where we go, oh my God, this is the only opportunity I have to close, a biz to close business, to prevent whatever I don't want from happening from happening. And yes, in some ways, it is that timely. What I can tell you from experience, time and time again, is that sometimes when it doesn't go your way, no matter what you and I do, it still doesn't go your way, there's always a little more time. Granted, maybe that business goes away. Maybe that employee quits. Maybe that landlord evicts you. Maybe whatever it is that you're afraid of having happening that you don't think you'll survive from actually does happen. Here's what I'm here to tell you. You will survive. You will. Somehow, some way, you will survive. You have to make the next right decision. And the wrong decision to make is to operate from a place of fear and doubt and worry and, and strain 
because you constrict the blood flow, you constrict the deal flow, you constrict opportunity, you come off desperate, needy, and wanting, and nobody, and nobody even gets to choose to, to help you because their, their brain that is built on Maslow's hierarchy of survival first that comes from millions of years of evolution from the animal world that we came out of, their brain that deals with that first principle of survival shuts you out and they never get to the point where they can continue to listen or rationalize anything cognitive or conscious around why they should help you. Their altruism will not show up because it gets cut off. It never even gets to see you. It, it, it avoids you. Their protection kicks up. So you and I will never get anything from a state of neediness, never get anything from a state of wanting, never get anything from a state of begging. Despite what you may think, when you're thinking cognitively and you're wishing that people would rationally see that if they just gave you a chance, if they just helped your little company out, if they just did this, that you'd make it, no one ever actually consciously becomes aware of that as a possibility because their brain at the lower level tunes you out and prevents you from penetrating their rational thought. Whether you want to agree with it or not, think about how many times you have seen someone desperate, needy, or whatever, and you have thrust yourself into doing business with them. I'll give you a second. It won't take very long to realize you've very rarely ever done that, if ever, and if you have, it didn't work out, did it? So don't be that person. Win large deals when you're small by acting from a level playing field, and number two, from caring less, realize that you're here listening to this because you want to be a player or you are a player. You're very rare in that regard. What game of chicken will you play? Someone else sitting across from you may make three or four times the salary or the guaranteed income you have right now. And that means they're three or four more times more comfortable in that lifestyle. And they're three to more four times more risk averse than you are to lose it. So what you have to do is you have to realize that they're coming in from a position of safety first, status quo first. If for no other reason, forget what they think conceptually, for no other reason, their reptilian side, their brain that says preserve what I've got is saying I'm not going to take risk. So the way to swing the deal in your favor is show them why it's risky to do what they're doing without offending them. The way you do that is whoever you're selling against, whatever you're selling against, whether it's another company that's larger and you're bidding for the same business or whether it's the, the incumbent that's there, incumbency works because it's comfortable. Even if they're bitching and moaning about it, it's easier to stick with the one you got than to go find a new one. The brain wants to have order. It wants to simplify everything. And so when you're sitting there selling across from someone and they're entertaining you, Find out what it is that they need and want. Find out what they're, what they're missing. Somehow, some way. And if you can't find it out, find out what you know about their business that they may not know. There's three ways into their subconscious mind. That's the only mind you care about. That's the mind that they don't have control over consciously. The three ways in are shock, fascination, or agreement. Fascination is also intrigue. Fascination is also awe. Same thing. Shock, fascination, and agreement. Create a market forces triangle for them. Explain how the market forces are dictating the window of opportunity or the window of risk that they and their competitors face. Dazzle them, fascinate them with something, intrigue them, right? Get them thinking about something that they haven't thought about. 
but that's related to their existence. You'll put them in a form of survival mode and preventing threat mode. As soon as you do that, you're in their head. When you're in their head, they're also starting to think about, these are the questions I gotta take to my incumbent firm. These are the questions I'm gonna ask the next person who comes in here and pitch. You have framed them into a place where they are fascinated and intrigued by the future that they are living into. And every single one of us can't resist that because we all, our brains are trained to think in futures. We all think about the future. We all wanna preserve the one we've got. We all wanna have a better future than we had in the past. And we all wanna avoid mistakes. So fascinate them with something. Get them intrigued about the future they're moving into. Then steer them. Steer them from a place of why you have spent all of your time helping companies like them avoid failing into that future that they're moving into or helped steal business away from firms that have gotten complacent because it's comfortable for them to keep taking the check and do a good job. Talk about examples. Start to plant seeds of doubt in them that they're going to go question their current relationship about. Try and find a way to shift the risk from doing business with you, the little upstart, to staying with who they're with. Something isn't working about that relationship or you and I would not be sitting in front of them. Remember that they're meeting with us. They're not wasting executives' time. They're not wasting investors' time sitting down with us if everything's perfect. They're either shopping us because they're looking for a solution, shopping us because they're trying to figure out and use our time to, to, to make better decisions with the people they've got, which is an offense that we need to counteract by basically step number three, which I'll share with you in a minute. But the reality is they're sitting with us for a reason. Remember that. Level the playing field. 10 feet tall, 15 feet from the foul line, right? Level the playing field. Why am I here? You know why I'm here? Because they fucking need something. That's why I'm here. Remember that. Get strong in that knowledge. You may not know what it is yet, but you know that it's there. So now you can focus not on where you're weak, but you can focus on where they're weak, where they're vulnerable. You're sitting there because they're vulnerable and they know it. And you may not know why and they may not communicate why, but they're sending executives up and they're not doing it for a favor. They're not doing it for any other reason than they're missing something. You're in my job then becomes to focus on finding where that pain is and putting a fork in it and twisting the shit out of it. And then pulling back because now we've pulled back and we've reminded them and we've alerted them to this pain they're in. And now we get to come in and be the hero. But we're not going to just save them. They're going to have to prove to us why we should save them. And again, this is just mindset stuff. This is just how you go from a position of being on your back to a position of standing over top of them, leading them. To the, to the wallet so that they can give you their digits. Being small is your advantage. Being small means you're nimble, you're agile, you can react, you can make decisions in faster time. You don't have to go get board approvals for everything. You can be a little uh, more aggressive in your speech, less politically correct. Being small has all kinds of advantages, right? It's enticing. But don't be annoying, don't be a gnat, don't be needy. Come at them from intrigue, fascination, go at them with agreement. Agreement is talking about their business from a standpoint of really understanding the problems that they solve. Even if they're doing a shitty job 
out there in the market portraying it and you're in my job is to go win their business to market them more effectively, let's get let's look at it. Let's fall in love with the opportunity that we actually see for them. Let's not fall in love with taking their money. Let's not fall in love with just winning deal for deal's sake. Let's actually fall in love with the idea of what that customer that we're trying to close is actually doing in the market and why it matters and who it matters for. And let's get viscerally emotionally in a lather about that so that when we talk about their business, they go, holy crap, this person knows our business. This person loves us. This person gets us. Agreement, agreement, agreement. You can't fake it. I mean, some people can. I can't. If I can't get my head around the problem you're solving and why it matters to the world and that it needs to continue, I won't sell you. I won't even go into that meeting. But if I can get my head around it, if I can get excited about it as if it was my own, if I can fall in love with their business, then they're toast. If they're sitting across from me, I'm taking that check because they will understand that I really understand their business. I really understand their user. I really understand why they matter. And I'm going to give them the chance to let me and my team work with them to help that become a better reality than it's been to date to be more successful than they were last quarter, to be more impactful than they were last year, last 10 years, to live into this future, to lead the future of this problem in a way that no other company in their category is. And if not them, I will find someone who will say yes to me because this problem that they solve fucking matters to me and I will not see it undone. I will go find the next company that is solving this problem and sell them my relationship to go make that problem go away faster because I am now convicted that this problem to society matters and that they are my first choice. But if they don't say yes, I will find a replacement for them because I'm now bought in. I can't sleep until this category has a winner. That's the mindset you and I must have. Think about how it would feel if instead of you begging them for scraps in your business so that you can go get a bigger account, you were coming at them saying, I have to solve this problem. Our firm must be part of the solution. We've committed to solving this problem well. There's too many users out there that are being underserved in this category. You're one of a handful of brands that's in this category we are experts in moving businesses like yours forward to solve those users' problems faster, better, cheaper. You and I are sitting here. Let's make a deal happen because we care about the same thing. And by the way, I'm not going to stop caring. Whether you say yes or not is what you're actually delivering. You don't have to say it overtly. Sometimes you might. Sometimes you won't. It's operating from a standpoint of he or she who cares the least has the control. What is it that you care the least about? Whether they make the right decision. What you don't let go of is that you care about the solution and the problem happening, that you care about the fact that your business will be part of making this thing happen for some user that you care about. And that right now, your business coupled with them sitting across from you is the best solution in the shortest amount of time because gentlemen ladies we are sitting here together it is our choice to proceed as one to go shake take this thing and make it better to go take you from where you are to where you want to be and where you should be to save you money expense 
and time getting to that market to make you the category leader. We're sitting here right now. It's ours to decide. Please make the right choice. If you don't, fine. But why would we wait? And then you're alluding to the fact that whether they say yes or not, you're going to keep hunting because this problem matters as much to you as it matters to them. But the difference is you're not making your livelihood off of whether their solution is the one that wins. You're making your livelihood off the fact that some solution will win and you're going to couple yourself with that one. If you're pitching VCs, it's the same thing. You're not worried about whether that limited partnership or that LP and GP stack is the one that gets in the deal. You're saying this space needs to be fixed. You guys have a chance to be part of it. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, I'm going to find the next guy who gets it. And if he doesn't get it, I'm going to find the next person who gets it because this problem is not going away till I solve it. And you have to get yourself in a lather to remember the main thing. The main thing is that we're all just people. Problems are problems. Solutions are solutions. And the person who can be clear and care about the problem solution more than they care about the way it gets fixed. And the way is whether this client does it or someone else, you have the least amount of care in that dynamic because you're committed, not attached. That's the lesson for this talk. Be committed, not attached. Committed to the outcome that is forward growth, that is selling bigger deals, that is solving bigger problems, that is being a winner with other winners. Be committed to that vector be unattached to who comes with you. Be willing to collaborate. Be willing to find win-wins. Be willing to move on. Don't fear timelines. Make timelines. Don't fear them. Put urgency. Use the fact that their brain, their reptile, their inner subconscious emotional mind that then will use logic to justify every decision it makes to pretend like they were actually thinking when they did it is going to respond to fear of loss. It's going to respond to urgency. It's going to respond to threat. It's going to respond to gain. It's going to respond to all those things. You have to rise above that. You can't physically rise above it. Your brain's going to want to do the same thing theirs is going to do. It's going to go into survival mode. But you can consciously feel yourself in survival mode, which is why I asked you to go back to a place where you've been on your back, where you've been down, and get what that feels like. When you feel that, you have to stop. You have to remind yourself. The sun came up today. And it's going to go down tonight. It's going to come up again tomorrow. you got to remind yourself that if you had to think about how your blood got pumped from your heart, down through your veins, all through your body, through your toes, came back up to your heart. If you actually had to think about that, you'd be overwhelmed. If you had to actually walk through the last 30 minutes listening to this while making sure that you made sure your heart beated right and all that, you'd be overwhelmed. You'd be stuck. You'd be analyzing. You'd be paralyzed. Somehow you and I are able to have that happen through the power of our subconscious mind without thinking about it so we can focus on higher level stuff. Remember when you feel the way you feel at your weakest, most disempowered state that that is a real feeling, but there is also the opposite. It has to be in simultaneous existence. Go do a workout. Go do something to get your blood pumping. Force yourself into a state where you get motion and create a different emotion 
and then break it down to first principles, take out a measuring tape and remind yourself the rim is 10 feet tall, the foul line's 15 feet. This is a human being with family, with friends, with the same concerns, with illness, with health, with worry, with doubt, with a job, with a career, with comfort, with houses, with mortgages, with car payments, with college tuitions. This is a person who's just trying to get that to continue. And at the end of the day, what problem are we solving? What is their job? Why are we all sitting here? We're sitting here so that they can preserve that and gain that and keep doing their job. And at the same time, we're sitting here to solve a bigger problem that's independent of all of us individually. Remind them of that. Fascinate them on the market forces. Dial them into where this space, this category they're in, is, is actually the biggest opportunity ever. If the space is crumbling, talk about the opportunity. They have to be the one who survives and consolidates the whole thing before it's all gone. If it's growing, talk about how they're in a competitive space, but they have the chance to win. But they got to start making the right decisions now. Remind them of their opportunity. Focus them on and fascinate them on the upside and they will stop thinking about you as smaller or bigger, and they will just start looking at you as someone who has the answers they need. Show them that you're willing to collaborate. Be friendly, but be distant, meaning be committed to them. Show them how committed you are to this with your actions, with your words, with your tonality, with your voice, but show them simultaneously how unattached you are to who gets you there. It's a fine line. It's not a takeaway close in the sense of a tactic it's the only close. Get yourself in the lather, commit, go all in, and then care very little whether they come with you. Focus in on timelines. Structure the deal so that it works for you. Find a way to make it easy for them to say yes and still get what you want. And realize that even if what they say yes to has a net 60 payment on it and you needed money yesterday, get the yes, get the net 60, because now you have something to put a foot on and go pivot. You can go renegotiate terms. You can go talk to your landlord. You can go talk to your freaking investors, your creditors, whatever. You could say, look it, if you want to shut me down right now, fine, but you're not getting paid back. If you wait, I got a net 60 from XYZ Co. that's huge and big and larger than us, and I'll take care of it. But you got to work with me here. So you tell me what you want to do. Again, realize the person who's calling you, who's creditors to you, who's, who's saying that you owe them money, who's saying they're going to evict you, can't fucking live without you. All they want is the payment. All they want is you and that tenant. They don't want to have to go find a new tenant. They just want stability. They want their business to work. They're just the same. He and she who cares the least, he and she who can remember at the end of the day, that we all just want stability, growth, and certainty in our business can remember that when you are in a position where you're down and you're out and people are coming at you and are threatening you, they're $8 an hour people sitting in a call room trying to collect 25 cents on a dollar for a company that's already written off that paper. Don't be afraid of them. They're just trying to do their job. They're going to talk tough. They're going to act tough. That's their job. They're going to crumble most people of weaker mind. They're not you. Be cordial with them. Tell them the truth. Tell them you can't pay. Say, come after me. Say, send me a bill. Say, do whatever you want to do. I will pay this. I'll be good for it. But right now, the only way I can be good for it is to go close business. And you're taking my focus away of what I need to go do to pay you back. So if you want to keep doing that, fine. But you're not going to get anywhere. I can't change the, the reality. 
I can't. If you want to kick me out, fine. Kick me out. It's not going to stop me. I still got to go feed my family. I still got to go feed my employees. I still got to go win business. So if you want to kick me out of this business, distract me from doing that, that's fine. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's not going to make you any money. You're going to have to go put someone else in there. Remind them of all the work that that is going to cause them and how it's easier to just work with you. All they want to do is feel that you're not going to walk on them. All they want to do is be communicated with on how you're going to solve their problem that you have partially created. So be honest with them. Tell them. Work with them. They're not the enemy. They're relying on you just as much as you're relying on new business. Center yourself. Calm yourself down. Get up on your knees. Get up on your feet. Start to walk, run, and win the large deal. You are bigger than you think. We'll see you on episode 57.